Today's financial editor on 930 WFMD was recorded at an earlier date. The award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. You can grab it there. Thanks so much for being with us. Again, uh, to all the moms out there, grandmoms, aunts, sisters, everybody, happy Mother's Day to you. I hope your uh, weekend's going well. You sure deserve it. And as I mentioned right before the break, we're going to be jumping into uh, our conversation with my guest today, Dr. Thomas Hogan, uh, his senior research faculty member at the American Institute for Economic Research. Uh, he was formerly the chief economist for the U.S. Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs, and uh, has worked at multiple universities. You've probably seen him uh, on TV, heard him on the radio, read the things that he's published uh, out there in print. Uh, Dr. Hogan, thanks for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad to be on. Yeah. So, this is uh, obviously it's timely. Been dealing with it for a couple months now. Started in early March with um, the uh, the mess with Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, you wrote a real nice piece uh, recently. Another bank failure. Just a small uh, snippet that really helps as far as um, you know what's going on. But for all of our uh, audience, um, if you will, just give us an example of how this started. Yeah, you're right. The The banking system is in a mess here, and we've seen several major banks that have failed. Uh, as you mentioned, back in early March, we had um, two big ones, Silicon Valley Bank uh, and Signature Bank, that both, both failed. Um, and then more recently, First Republic Bank, just a few weeks ago. And it's strange because all of these banks are large banks that were holding um, what would normally consider to be pretty safe assets. They were holding a lot of treasury bonds. They were holding a lot of uh, relatively safe mortgage-backed securities. And so they they didn't have a very strong um, uh, risk profile from what the regulators would normally look at, except that we had this unusual year where the Federal Reserve raised interest rates very dramatically in a short period, and so those bonds that normally would be considered safe um, had a lot of interest rate risk, and when we raised interest rates a lot, it meant that the value of those bonds fell a lot, and so it's something that the Fed the Fed and the other financial regulators are not normally worried about, um, but they should have been because they should have known that they were going to be raising interest rates, and so that basically was one of the main things that has caused these banks to fail and then caused the you know government to come in and uh, help out kind of bail them out in some ways right so you know there again like you said you've got um, these bank regulators which mr. Barr from the Federal Reserve you know they've already he at least he has admitted you know about the mistakes and whatnot but it's really hard for somebody standing outside looking in saying, okay, wait a minute, you've got these bank regulators from the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco where you talked about Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic. Um, you know, they know what the holdings are, uh, and they also realize that just by the Fed's talk that they are committed 
to trying to catch up with inflation and squash it, um, shouldn't they have been more proactive? Don't you think they would have built models to kind of gauge that war game, if you will, of how this could really play out in a poor way? Yeah, it is a little bit unusual that they didn't have better risk management at at these banks. I mean, I think that interest rate risk is something that everyone knows about. Um, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, I think, was in the process of trying to uh, limit some of that risk when they failed, Um, but they just you know, it should have been obvious to them that the Fed was going to do it. Uh, I think part of the problem is that they just focused on what the regulators were asking for, and that became their focal point that they were all just focused on what the regulators thought was important rather than looking at some of their actual risks. And so the Fed has largely caused this problem by not addressing inflation very early on. You know, all through uh, 2021 and 2022, they were ignoring the problem of inflation. They thought early on that it was transitory and would go away. Towards the end of 2021, they finally admitted that it was a problem, that it was not transitory, but they didn't really do anything about it for another six months after that. And because they waited so long, they had to raise interest rates very quickly, and that was just not something that some of the banks had expected. But even the Fed itself, you know, when they were regulating these banks, they were not looking at interest rate risk because they early on had thought inflation was not going to be as big of a problem. And then when it turned out to be a big problem, not only was that a problem for their monetary policy, but then, you know, now as we're seeing, it was a big mistake in their regulation as well. They weren't worried about interest rate risk, and therefore the banks weren't worried about it either. Our guest is uh, today, Dr. Thomas Hogan, a senior research faculty member at the American Institute for Economic Research. And um, if you want to learn more, uh, just go to AI. I-E-R dot O-R-G for American Institute Economic Research. Um, And I'll I'll give that out again uh, in just a little bit to make sure um, you have that. It's great. It's a great site. A lot of real high quality, uh, knowledgeable information that you can get um, to better understand these issues that we talk about all the time and have for the last 25 years here on the program. So, you know, I just have to... um, have to wonder also, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Dr. Hogan, but I had heard that Silicon Valley Bank went for a an extended period of time without uh, compliance risk officers in place like they should have been. Yeah, so I believe that's correct that they had some turnover there, and so they actually didn't have someone in the um, main risk management roles. Um, but again, it, it's a situation where they were holding what would normally be considered to be pretty safe assets, and so they just didn't think it was a big priority, and the regulators as well. You know, the regulators are in a lot of these big banks constantly in communication, and a lot of them actually have offices in the bank itself, um, and so the regulators didn't seem to think it was a big deal that they didn't have a, a main you know, compliance officer, but obviously, in retrospect, they should have been more worried about that. Um, and so I see this as, as something where the regulators just dropped the ball and weren't um, carefully monitoring the risk, and it seemed pretty obvious that the Fed was going to raise interest rates, but they just didn't worry about it. Yeah, and we're not, again, uh, as you've alluded to already, we're not talking about some little startup down on the corner 
um, in Mayberry, USA, that has you know three hundred thousand dollars of deposits. These are massive banks with hundreds of billions of dollars. Like you said, a lot of them have Federal Reserve uh, examiners, bank examiners that are embedded there. I just it for the you know for the folks that you run into walking down the street it's just it's hard to fathom how these types of things happen um just because they think something might not occur and that always seems to be the one of the real issues is if you don't think it's going to happen well sure enough it's going to and people aren't ready for it and this causes a, a crisis um to a certain extent you know in this sector yeah, and and it's also, you know, we've talked here about the riskiness of these banks' assets. One of the other problems is that once um, people believe the bank to be in trouble, they started pulling out their deposits. And so that's also a problem that we, the, the regulators are supposed to be looking at, but sometimes don't totally pay attention to. Um, the government does provide deposit insurance so that if, so, if your bank fails, um, then the government will make sure that you get some of your money back, and that might sometimes end up having to be paid for by taxpayers. Um, but the truth is that a lot of banks um, understand that that deposit insurance only covers up to $250,000. And so if you have really big depositors that have millions and millions of dollars, like Silicon Valley Bank was the bank for a lot of uh, venture capital companies in, in Silicon Valley. And uh, they weren't worried for some reason about depositors pulling their money out. A lot of other big banks require their large depositors to have private insurance because you can have private companies that will provide insurance in the same way that the government does, but for higher amounts. Um, and for some reason, this bank didn't do that either. Um, and again, that's something that the government could have asked them to do. Uh, but the, you know, the, the regulators like to think that they know better and can do better than the private sector and the private insurance companies, but apparently that's not the case. Yeah, obviously. You're right there for sure. That's a wrong assumption. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with our guest today, Dr. Thomas Hogan, uh, Senior Research Faculty Member at the American Institute for Economic Research. Research, talking about the uh, the banking issues that are going on right now, and um, we'll talk. We talked about Silicon Valley, a little bit about First Republic, a little bit about Signature. Um, now you've got. Well, I'll save that for the other bank that's uh, doing uh, kind of getting it on the ropes right now a little bit uh, on the other side of this. So stay tuned. Things a country boy learns in life How to shoot a gun and how to use a knife But when I pull into Hershey, PA Billy from Tri-County Pump Service here with some exciting news. Introducing new savings on our water treatment maintenance. Are you looking for exceptional service with competitive pricing on your water treatment system? Call our friendly staff so we can help you. No matter if you have city or well water, we can improve the smell, taste, hardness, pH, and quality of your water. We have options and offer free water analysis and estimates. Call 301-432-0330 or visit us at tricountypumps.com today. There are more identity threats than you realize. Even if you monitor your credit, only a little personal info needs to leak out, like your social security number or password, or you to be kind of a victim. 
LifeLock alerts you to threats you could miss. If your identity is stolen, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions, but everyone can save up to 25% off their first year with promo code NEWS. Go to LifeLock.com. We're keeping Thermont and Urbana informed. 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast. Just go to Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for being with us this weekend. I appreciate it again. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. Uh, You are the backbone, right? Couldn't do it without you. Thanks for everything. I hope you have a great weekend. Wrapping up our conversation with our guest today, Dr. Thomas Hogan, Senior Research Faculty Member at the American Institute for Economic Research. Just go to AIER.org and get a bunch of quality uh, just top-notch um, information on many, many different economic and financial issues. So, uh, Dr. Hogan, you know, we've got, we talked about these various banks that, you know, were taken over by the FDIC and bailed out by Jamie Dimon and all this other nonsense. How do you feel it's impacted the rest of the banking sector? Well, it, it seems like a lot of the banking sector is in turmoil right now. You know, it's it's kind of hard to tell uh, how widespread this problem is, um, partly because, like I said before, a lot of the assets that are having problems right now are things that are normally considered to be safe. And so it's not really clear um, how many banks are uh, having similar risk exposure. But it seems like the government's response to these failures is also kind of creating a problem. Uh, for example, one of the other banks that's in trouble right now is PacWest. They're stock price fell by about 90% as of about a week ago. It bounced back a little bit and then is down again this week. Um, But they previously, about a month ago, had some potential suitors that were going to buy that bank and take it over. But what happened was when First Republic Bank failed, J.P. Morgan came in to purchase that bank, and the government really sweetened the deal a lot. The FDIC absorbed $13 billion of the losses and promised to absorb another 80% of any future losses on the assets that J.P. Morgan acquired. And they also lent J.P. Morgan $50 billion to do that deal. And so now, you know, none of these other big banks want to come in and take over a smaller bank unless the government is going to give them some assistance as well. And so the fact that the government is in there doing these bailouts means it's going to be harder for for private companies to come in and save some of these failing banks. Yeah, it's just moral hazard, right? I mean, you would have thought that we would exactly, have learned, yeah. Yeah, we would have learned from this in the 2008-2009 uh, financial crisis when, what, $745 billion in TARP money goes out, and they didn't even specify how the money had to be used. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's ridiculous, and, and it really does impact uh, that confidence. And I feel so badly for people that are worried about this. Probably it's not necessary for them to have the anxiety and the stress over it because chances are their bank, you know, is is doing very well, regional bank or a local bank or a credit union, whatever it may be, um, and, and they shouldn't have to worry because the other part of that, as you said, is when that happens, you get people, you know, taking money out and you lose that confidence and that just kind of domino effect that we really don't want to see. 
Yeah, the, the government's creating a lot of uncertainty here because they're just making up these bailout programs as they go. You know, the ones with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, they bailed out the uninsured depositors, which they're not supposed to be able to do. You know, the, the people that are um, paying for FDIC deposit insurance, they're the ones that are supposed to be insured. And the government said, no, no, even the, the rich venture capitalists that have all these you know, millions of dollars in this bank, we're going to bail them out too, even though they weren't paying into the deposit insurance system. And we're going to get that money by charging other people who are. So we're going to bail out, you know, these millionaires that are in, uh, that have more than $250,000 in their bank accounts. And we're going to charge the other bank accounts, which average about $5,000. And so it's, you know, it's a bailout of the Silicon Valley venture capital funds by like regular mom and pop depositors. And there's no rule for doing that. They just, the, the regulators just decided to do it anyway. And so it's, it's crazy. People are uncertain about what's happening because the government's response has been just very random and kind of made up. Yeah, you're right, made up uh, as I go along. And and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I read at one point that the average um, account balance at Sil- Silicon Valley Bank was $4 million. So, you know, you, you, you have to wonder, and like you said, Roku and a lot of these other technology companies and venture capitalists that, you know, had all that money there. It just, it it really, to a lot of people looking in, it doesn't seem fair because the other part of this we heard, the baloney, in my opinion, from Yellen and everybody else is it's not going to cost anybody any more money. The banks have to pay for this insurance. They're going to pass the cost on just like they always do. Yeah, yeah. It's really depositors that are paying that cost, and it's a misdirection by the regulators to say it's going to be paid by banks. Um, In fact, some some banks put on your on your bill the amount that you're paying, like you're required to pay by law for deposit insurance, and the FDIC tells them, hey, we would prefer if you didn't do that. We would prefer if you not tell your depositors how much we're requi- the government is charging them for this deposit insurance. <laughs> so the, you know, the government wants to hide that and pretend like it's banks doing it when it's really, you know, that money's going to come out of, out of um, the pockets of regular depositors. Um, and it's also the case that the way that they did the, the bailouts uh, for the uninsured depositors for uh, SVB and Signature Bank, um, you know, one of the things Yellen said was, this is not going to cost taxpayers any money. And the only way that they were able to do that was they declared those banks as systemically important just so they could bail out the uninsured depositors. There happens to be a law that if a bank is systemically important, then they can do that. But clearly, these banks were not systemically important, and they just you know, after they had failed, retroactively declared them as such so they could get around this law. Just a different wording for too big to fail, right? Yes, right. So <laughs> we just won't learn, or at least some people don't. It's such a shame. Um, you know, and then, of course, this weekend, and thank you, that was the bank I was going to reference, um, not to, you know, point fingers, but PacWest Bancor um, out, you know, on the, the, the West Coast there has just been mm-hmm. really on the ropes for – um, quite some time now. And the other thing I'm wondering, I always say this is, you know, this is when these deals happen over the weekend when the markets are closed and people, especially this weekend, hopefully like at our house, are going to have cookouts and celebrating Mother's Day and not paying attention. Next thing you know, you're going to learn Sunday evening or Monday, potentially, that, you know, some type of other deal was done that's not in the public's best interest. 
Yeah, that's right. And, you know, like I said about PacWest, that they previously had some suitors that were going to potentially buy them. Um, but that has gone away because it looks like now they're they're waiting for a government bailout here. And so probably what will happen is this weekend or next weekend, sometime soon, uh, they will do that and the government will take over that bank and sell it to some other larger bank and give them some kind of subsidies or financial incentives. And then we'll find out at the end of the weekend that the government has given away, you know, another billions of dollars of taxpayer money. So uh, that's a shame, but that's probably what I expect to happen. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Thomas Hogan. has been our guest today. Uh, Dr. Hogan, thanks for all the really good, um, sharp, to-the-point information. That's what this pro- program's about. So I know everybody enjoys, uh, you know, learning and understanding more. So thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Glad to be on. Okay, take care. Have a good rest of the weekend. Again, folks, you can go to um, AIER.org. Um, if you're driving, don't try to write that down if you're listening on the radio. Or, um, you know, if uh, for whatever reason you don't have a pen, just, you know, drop me an email. I'll make sure you get the website. Really good information from Dr. Hogan and all of his, uh, his colleagues. Uh, the American Institute for Economic Research, uh, we've had them on a few times. They're becoming more of a friend. Uh, with us here on the program really good stuff and we appreciate it and that's why we want to share it with you so that does it for us uh we're uh, up against a uh, a hard break got to uh kind of end things if you will and um i hope you have a great rest of the weekend again happy mother's day god bless all you moms uh thanks for everything and um we will talk to you on the Morning News Express with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. Those are live conversations Monday through Friday at 5.56, a.m. And then we'll be back here uh, next week, uh, next weekend, to talk about, um, actually, next week. Next weekend, we're going to be talking to our friend Laura Reese from um, Heritage, who was formerly with the Department of Homeland Security, uh, and she's going to give us the true uh, skinny on what's going on with uh, the border. It's just, it's such a shame. But anyway, we're not going to ignore it. We're going to talk about it and uh, give you uh, some good information on that. So until then, this is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. It's the 930 WFMD Spotlight on Local Business. Carrie Grusnickel, Farmer's Daughter Bakery in Jefferson, joining us uh, for our Spotlight on Local Business. A little bit about yourself. What drew you into bakering, if there's such a word? So I started in 2014 just getting my business licensing as I was doing custom cakes. It just kept growing and growing, and then I was doing weddings, and more people wanted things for me. So when the bakery in Jefferson came up for sale, I was called and it was kind of like a no-brainer if I ever wanted to do this. This was the chance to do it. And now I've owned that since 2019. And I'm also a full-time teacher. What is that like day to day? For me, it's like 
I love both parts of it. I love teaching and I love the bakery. So I love being in there. I spend a lot of hours working, but it's enjoyable. And for my um, bakers, they start at about one o'clock in the morning and get everything ready for the day. What are, I guess, some of the specialties at Farmer's Daughter? So we're most known for our donuts. We have custom cakes, like birthday cakes, or we have some pre-designed cakes that you can just pick up online and tell us when you want it. We have cookies, brownies, cupcakes, Danish muffins, pies, almost anything you could want. I tell people we're a pretty traditional bakery, so if it's something that even maybe you ate as a kid, we might even have it. We make pie crust cookies, which mm. everybody loves. It's just an old school thing. Oh, my mother used to make this. My grandmother used to make this. Well, we have them. Where are you at in uh, Jefferson? We are right in the heart of Jefferson, the middle on Main Street, and we share a parking lot with Hemp's Meat. It was great learning about uh, Farmer's Daughter Bakery in Jefferson with Carrie uh, Grossnickel. Thanks for stopping by and this week's Spotlight on Local Business. This is 930 WFMD and WFMD.com. Now... WFMD News. Three people were indicted on Friday by the Frederick County Grand Jury. The panel charged 38-year-old Brian Simpson of Frederick with two counts each of first-degree assault and second-degree assault and one count of second-degree child abuse for an incident which occurred on July 23rd. Also indicted was 38-year-old Carlos Platero of Myersville, who is facing charges of first and second degree assault for an incident which occurred on July 2nd. These indictments move these cases to circuit court where trial dates will be scheduled. As kids head back to school, drivers in Maryland may be a bit rusty about what to do when they encounter a stopped school bus. Deputy First Class Brian Bittenmaster with the Frederick County Sheriff's Office says drivers in all 50 states are required to come to a complete stop when the bus stop arm is extended. He says those caught breaking the law by police can cost a driver a $570 fine and a three-point penalty on their driver's license. As far as students attempting to cross the road, he says... Every driver has a duty to prevent a pedestrian collision to the best of their abilities. So anytime we see a student, you know, whether, you know, only in the young elementary grades or all the way up to high school, we need to use caution around them, you know, anticipating, hey, maybe they're going to obey the crosswalk, maybe not. Maybe they're going to walk with the signal, whether justified or unjustified, and we have to use the appropriate caution. According to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, more than a third of the more than 300 children who died in school transportation-related crashes from 2006 to 2015 were killed while approaching or leaving the school bus. I'm Loretta Gaines on Mid-Maryland's Radio News Center 930 WFMD. Fox News, I'm Paul Stevens. At least 80 people now confirmed dead in wildfires in Hawaii. This tourist in Maui talking about the outpouring of generosity she's seen. It has been probably the most amazing outpouring of generosity, especially seeing it last night at the shelter, the people there, the camaraderie, the wonderful attitude of not only the response team, the people, everyone offered to help us. Hundreds are still missing. U.S. Attorney David Weiss now appointed a special counsel in the ongoing Hunter Biden investigation. The appointment of Mr. Weiss reinforces for the American people the department's commitment 
to both independence and accountability in particularly sensitive matters. Attorney General Merrick Garland on Friday. America's listening to Fox News. The 930 WFND Skyscan forecast for Frederick and surrounding counties. As we head into the day, we'll have a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms after 2 p.m. with a high near 92 and southwest winds 5 to 10 miles per hour. Saturday night, we'll have a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms before 2 a.m. with a low around 70 and southwest winds 6 to 8 miles per hour. Sunday, sunny with a high near 91 and light west wind. PJ's Roofing. When it comes to your roof, they've got you covered. Visit pjsroofing.com. I'm Dan Sutton. 930 WFMD with a Fox Sports update. From the Fox Sports studios in Los Angeles. Here's Kevin Figures. In baseball Friday night, the Dodgers defeated the Rockies 6-1 for their sixth consecutive victory, while the Rangers beat the Giants 2-1 behind solo home runs from Mitch Garver and Nathaniel Lowe. San Diego handed Arizona their ninth consecutive defeat. The Mariners won their ninth in a row with a 9-2 victory over Baltimore. The Brewers defeated the White Sox 7-6 in extras. Aaron Judge, a home run for the Yankees in a victory over Florida, wins for Houston, Atlanta, the Cubs, and Philadelphia. In preseason football, Jordan Love was 7 of 10 passing for 46 yards and a touchdown and the Packers win over the Bengals. Sam Howell a touchdown pass and a 17 to 15 Commanders win over Cleveland. Deshaun Watson was 3 for 3 for 12 yards and also rushed for 20 yards in the loss for Cleveland. Russell Wilson passed for 93 yards and a touchdown for Denver. They lost to Arizona 18 to 17. At the Women's World Cup, Australia and France are currently scoreless at the half. Coming up after this matchup on Fox, England will face Colombia. Fox on Tech. Isn't it remarkable that tech innovation often leads to additions to our language, often verbs? Go back in time 200 years and try to have a conversation. Tell somebody you phoned a relative, vacuumed the floor, or that you microwaved your dinner. Go back 30 years and ask someone to Google an answer to your question. Go back 17 years and ask somebody if they tweeted their thoughts. To tweet, meaning to publish a message on Twitter, has only been around about 17 years, and yet it's become ubiquitous for digital mass communications. Except you can no longer tweet because there is no more Twitter. New owner Elon Musk changed the name to X, and on the X app you don't tweet, you post. You don't retweet or quote tweet, you repost and quote post. It might take some time to get used to all of this, but eventually Tweeting won't be much different than putting music on the Victrola. With Fox on Tech, I'm Eben Brown, Fox News. Today's financial editor on 930 WFMD was recorded at an earlier date. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. You can grab it there. Thanks so much for being with us today. I hope your weekend's going well. Uh, very happy to have back uh, as a guest, Miss uh, Laura Reese. Uh, she is the director of uh, Border Security and Immigration Center at the Heritage Foundation. She has over 26 years of experience in the immigration and homeland security arena. Uh, 
and um, uh, most recently at the uh, Department of Homeland Security. She was the acting deputy chief of staff and a friend of the program. She's been on before and nice to uh, come on again just to give us an update on what's happening at the border. Why? So this is a show about business and finance and all the things that connect to it. And I always remind people that if you don't have um, uh, national security, you can't truly have economic and financial security. And we continue to deal with this problem. So that's why we're getting an update today. Good morning, Laura. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Thanks for coming back on. I appreciate it. And um, if you will, um, you've written a really good piece I'm going to direct everybody to in in just a couple minutes. But, you know, there's a lot of just general questions uh, that continue to swirl in people's minds when um, they're they're considering what's happening uh, at the southern border. Well, and even at the northern border these days. But we'll just stick with the southern border because that's what's focused on most. why are so many people being allowed in the country um, and then, of course, bus to the interior? Well, this is the open border agenda by the Biden administration, and they seem to want and be carrying out unlimited illegal immigration and processing in illegal aliens into the country as fast as they can uh, while being dishonest and deceitful about how they're doing it, how they're labeling it, um, and you know, gaslighting Americans. But ultimately, they're, they're putting illegal aliens above American citizens, to be sure. So, uh, and I think everybody agrees with that. There's a very, very high level of frustration uh, with everything else going on in the world with inflation and all the things that people have to to deal with on a daily basis. Uh, they're also very concerned about uh, the illegal immigration and, and what it's doing to the country. And I know the last time I talked to you, basically, I just, I don't see how anybody can look at this and not say that it's being done on purpose um, for, I'm assuming political gain down the road because of votes or whatever it may be. But in the pro, not, not only is that heartless, but on top of that, you've got the, um, the danger involved with, uh, so many of these, uh, illegal immigrants that are coming across. Some we learn about, but of course, many, many, we don't because of the gotaway, uh, issue. Um, how, how serious is that, in your opinion, um, as far as the, the, the safety for um, the people here in the country, that, 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 that it's a serious problem by these illegals? It's extremely serious. I mean, we are back at a pre-9-11 posture when there have been over 6 million illegal alien uh, encounters, plus about 1.5 known 1.5 million known gotaways. And the gotaways in particular are very worrisome because they are choosing to decline, turning themselves in and getting a free plane ticket to anywhere in the country that they want to go because they either have a criminal background, uh, known and suspected terrorists, they're smuggling drugs, or some combination thereof. Uh, The number of known and suspected terrorists found just crossing between the ports of entry by Border Patrol um, 
is is shocking. It's it's over. I, I believe ninety eight ninety nine just this calendar year, um, and those are only people that have been caught. So how many more are among that one point five or so million known gotaways? And um, this you know, this administration is absolutely uh, endangering Americans in terms of national security and also public safety. You know the gang members and the um, criminals among both populations. Um, it's it. This isn't going to end well for Americans. Yeah, it, it, I agree. Unfortunately, that uh, that that is the case. So, um, Mayorkas, uh, Secretary Mayorkas, uh, who leads supposedly uh, DHS, and then of course Biden and whoever, uh, in my opinion, are pulling the strings behind the scenes are behind all this. But you know, you worked at DHS two different times. The last time, as I mentioned, as the acting uh, deputy chief of staff. I mean, just remind our listeners what is the purpose of the Department of Homeland Security? Well, it's in the name, Secure the Homeland. Uh, but unfortunately, this administration has priorities completely backwards. Uh, they list as the number one homeland security threat as, as domestic violence and, and violent extremism slash white supremacy. Uh, and they will try and shoehorn and label any any incident, mass shooting, whatever, as white supremacy. Um, it, it's absolutely ridiculous uh, because they are turning inward against political opponents. And meanwhile, they're letting in, as we just discussed, unknown numbers of criminals and, and terrorists. So our, our homeland is not secure. And this secretary absolutely merits impeachment. Uh, there have been various impeachment bills and resolutions introduced uh, lots of talk about it, um, but you know the House needs to move out on this because Secretary Mayorkas has violated laws, ignored laws, violated the oath he swore to uphold. He has uh, endangered both Americans and migrants. He's lied to Congress under oath, and he's lied to the American public. Um, so he absolutely warrants impeachment. Um, and unfortunate, and I, I've heard also, uh, I'm sure a lot of, uh, of folks listening have as well, about those potential impeachment um, steps that are going forward. But it also seems like um, impeachment, because of all the folly in the last Congress, um, has been watered down so much, the, the importance of it, that, you know, people, they, they're so used to hearing that word, I, I wonder if they even realize the seriousness of, uh, of utilizing that, but, and, and yet it is so appropriate for uh, Mayorkas because he is doing such a, a terrible job. Yeah, unfortunately, when the Democrats brought two bogus impeachments against uh, President Trump, including when he was out of office, um, it had the effect on Republicans of, of making them gun-shy about it. Um, but our founders created the tool for a reason, and uh, what Mayorkas has done, among other members of the cabinet and the president himself, unfortunately, many warrant impeachments. Um, but he's he's one that's at the top of the list. So Republicans need to do their job and not uh, keep operating out of fear. 
I agree 100%. Our guest this morning, uh, Ms. Laura Reese, uh, she's the director of Border Security and Immigration Center at the Heritage Foundation um, and has over 26 years of experience in immigration and homeland security. Um, I guess the other question I'll get to real quick is what's on the phones that the that these uh, illegal immigrants are getting? Like, Do you have any idea, like... Um, the, the, the apps that they have access to and who can track them and, and, you know, and, and communicate with them, uh, whenever they want. So that is used as part of uh, something that's called alternative to detention. So many of these, uh, illegal aliens and admissible aliens under the immigration statute are supposed to be detained in immigration detention. And yet, uh, this administration refuses to use all the beds, detention beds, that have already been paid for. And so they will put many aliens into what's called alternative to detention. And, and through that, there are a number of ways that an alien needs to check in periodically with ICE, whether that is an electronic monitor or they have to visit a ICE office or call in and, and their voice were, uh, is matched against an original um, enrollment kind of uh, biometric sense. So those phones are used for that purpose. Um, it, it's not to have a cell phone with, you know, whatever um, mobile apps or games or, you know, what you or I or our kids might use or have. It's, that stuff isn't turned on their phones. Um, it, it's it's for a, a purpose, although it's not fully utilized in the sense that uh, ICE is not using tracking capability, which they should do because a lot of these people disappear into the interior. They don't report to immigration court, um, and it, it's kind of a, a waste of money in some instances if you're not using the program properly. But it is bad optics. I mean, it looks like, oh, you cross the border and here you go. Here's a free uh, mobile phone that we're giving you like you or I carry around. And, and that's not quite the situation. So um, if you're a politician, though, or an NGO, um, and you're uh, supporting this border policy, um, if they want to, if someone wants to, do they have the number of that phone where they can contact that illegal immigrant? Um, ICE, ICE presumably has that. Um, um, the reason I'm asking, Laura, is I wonder if they can be marketed to. Uh, that's been in my mind for a while. Like if, you know, if you can send a message or give a voice message to all of these people later down the road, especially as more of these um, areas uh, and cities say that we're going to let illegal immigrants vote. Um, I just wonder if they can be marketed to through that particular uh, piece of technology. Yeah, it's a good point, and it's a good question. I don't know the answer to that, but that is worth um, looking into. Yeah, I mean, because it just scares the heck out of me. I've thought about it the last uh, year or so. It's like if you give somebody that phone and you literally can text them or give them voice messages or, you know, get the word out that, hey, this is, you know, we helped you get in the country. This is what we want you to do, and you're going to get even more stuff or whatever it might be. Um, it is. it's It's very, very frightening to think that uh, they could be marketed uh, to 
that way. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, my guest, Miss Laura Reese's uh, latest article. To effectively address the border crisis, Congress must narrow scope of parole authority. Uh, and we'll tell you how to get that, too. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be back in, um, in, in just a minute, and uh, we're going to dive into that article. If you glue it, nail it, screw it, cut it, plug it, mud it, clamp it, sand it, saw it. Put it this way. If you're looking for the elements that hold your world together, you know, the metaphorical nuts and bolts. The only place to go to start your project is NZ Kramer and Son in Woodsboro and online at nzkramer.com. Since 1890, they've been servicing residential and commercial customers, offering sales and service of plumbing, electrical, lumber, and other home improvement supplies. NZ Kramer and Son. Start building. Over a decade, Simply Safe has revolutionized home security, and our latest advancement is here: 24/7 Live Guard protection, only from Simply Safe. Now, monitoring agents can see and speak to intruders through our new indoor camera to help stop crime in real time and for fast police response. Get 20% off any new system with Fast Protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/radio. Advanced home security, 24/7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This is Steve Nibbs inviting you to join us all summer long for conversations with all our Frederick County football coaches on Frederick County Sports Weekend, Saturday mornings, 1130 on 930 WFMD. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast. Just go to Apple Podcasts and uh, you can grab it there. Uh, winding up our conversation uh, with our guest this morning, Miss Laura Reese, and uh, she is a director of the Border Security and Immigration Center at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, just go to heritage.org and uh, you can see all of uh, Laura's and her colleagues' work. Uh, it's a tremendous resource um, at the Heritage Foundation. Their website has a, a ton of information on pretty much every issue that might be um, in your mind. And, and you can get some, some honest, well-written, fact-based um, information that you can spend some time on with your reading Um whenever you have that, that extra time. It, but it's really good. Her latest piece is, to effectively address the border crisis, Congress must narrow scope of parole authority. And again, go to heritage.org to grab that. So, Laura, um, what was the main point you were trying to get across in this article? So this administration and, and the Obama administration before it keep using this tool that's in the Immigration Act, it's supposed to be humanitarian parole. And, and I don't want to, don't think uh, parole out of criminal jail. That's different. Immigration parole is to let someone into the U.S. on a, for urgent humanitarian need or in, in a critical 
public interest on a case-by-case basis, on a temporary basis. And when the ground is over, they return to their prior status, which is, you know, without authority to be here. The classic example is someone who needs emergency medical surgery and they don't have time to go get a visa. But what this administration is doing is mass paroling in tens of thousands of illegal aliens every month under numerous programs. Most of them are based on nationality, Cubans, Haitians, Nicaraguans, Venezuelans, Ukrainians, Afghanistan. Um, and the secretary simply doesn't have the authority to do this, first of all, because this is kind of like a visa, and only Congress can authorize such immigration benefits. So he's acting outside of his authority, number one. Number two, it's in clear violation of on a case-by-case basis. It's not for urgent humanitarian need, nor is this in the public interest. Uh, and numerous courts have ordered as such Uh, against this administration, but they continue to ignore the court findings, and they keep continuing these mass parole programs and then lie about it, calling them, quote-unquote, lawful pathways. Um, There's nothing lawful about it, as I've explained, and it doesn't make the aliens who use it lawful. Um, And so they're playing this shell game. They're, They're telling future illegal aliens, don't cross between the ports of entry anymore. Use this CBP Mobile One application. Make an appointment for a uh, at a port of entry, and we'll let you in and parole you in for two years and give you work authorization. And that's your quote unquote lawful pathway. Um, and so then the, now the administration's claiming, well, look, our numbers are down at the border. Our, our programs are working. Uh, but really, they just want you to keep looking at the numbers between the ports, not those crossing through the ports. And those numbers have been rapidly rising. Yeah, just the smoke and mirrors, unfortunately. And and uh, again, if people aren't listening to uh, this program or reading your information, they, they don't understand that. Uh, and it just goes over their head because they're being misled, manipulated. Um, and, and I saw on your or on the site another um, you know, some other pieces that you've done in this area, uh, and they're, they're so good. The, the latest folks, uh, May 17th, um, our guest, Miss Laura Reese, did a piece um, to effectively address the border crisis. Congress must narrow scope of parole authority. As you just learned, and I know I didn't realize all that, um, it, it's, it's very, very informative, and it will help you to keep your antennas up when you're, when you're being talked to about uh, different uh, numbers at the border, the statistics, if you will. So go to heritage.org, and uh, Laura's uh, last name is spelled R-I-E-S. Uh, obviously, if you're driving, don't try to write that down. Just drop me an email, and I'll get you um, Laura's correct name spelling. And again, it's heritage.org. Laura, like uh, previous times, really appreciate uh, the information that you provide. Uh, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule. I know you're very busy, so thanks, and uh, look forward to talking to you in the future. Happy to do it. Thanks so much. Okay, thanks, Laura. Have a great rest of the weekend, and uh, that does it for, I mean, she's 
is just tremendous. Just like so many of her colleagues at uh, the Heritage Foundation, these people know what they're doing, um, and um, they, they've accomplished so much that's good for the country. So that's why I encourage you to go to heritage.org. Uh, just like many of the other guests that we have uh, on the program, um, it, it's the kind of things that you need to hear and you need to read about um, as far as what's best for our country, ourselves, our families, especially our children, which are our future. So um, I would encourage you, again, to go to heritage.org and, um, and and check it out. And that does it for us. Uh I hope you enjoyed today's program. It's uh, It was fun for me, that's for sure. And um, I will talk with you on the Morning News Express with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. Uh, we do those... Um we do those calls live at 5.50, a.m. Uh, every weekday morning. And then um, I'll be back here next Saturday for another program. So uh, we'll be back for another edition of your financial editor program. So this is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. <laughs> Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com, a service of Holtzapel Heating and Air Conditioning.